two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. We have been looking at or talking about our worship from a very different perspective than what is often heard when we talk about worship. And uh, there is much yet to be covered. But this morning, a rather odd text, I guess, uh, that I want to use for a starting point. And that is in the book of Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. And we're going to start reading at verse 2. The title of our lesson this morning is Tradition or Transformation. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, the Bible says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation. This passage stood out to me sometime back when I read it because he is talking about the punishment that is being brought on Edom and Edom is Esau's descendants. And he says in verse 3 his heritage laid his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. In this passage, God is saying that Esau lost his heritage, and Esau's descendants he was were losing what they had. When we look in Scripture and we look at what the Bible has to say about Jacob and Esau, we find Jacob and Esau had the same heritage. And yet Esau despised his birthright. Heritage alone is not enough. Just because we have a great heritage, it is not enough. We have reached a place in our Pentecostal church that much of our worship is based 
on tradition. We have reached a time that we have established traditions and much of our worship is based on that tradition. In Mark chapter 7, a verse that we have talked about a number of times, it's also in the book of Matthew, but I like the way Mark bears it out. Beginning at verse 6, he says, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, and with their heart, uh, or honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold to the tradition of men as washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own traditions. Sadly, much of Pentecost today touts traditions from Azusa Street or Topeka, Kansas or other places that the Word of God and that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was poured out rather than going back and looking at the Word of God. Our worship is not to be based on what happened at Azusa Street, but it's to be based upon what the Word of God says. And we can imitate and emulate what happened on Azusa Street when it follows the Word of God. But if there are things that took place on Azusa Street that are not in accord with the Word of God, then we need to bypass them and let them alone. And we need to follow the Word of God. This is not to say that all tradition is to be ignored. Because some traditions are good. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Scripture tells us that we are not to just dismiss tradition. The Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. There are some traditions that are good to keep. But we need to understand and we need to know whether they are traditions based on the Word of God or they are traditions of our own making. And we need to understand the purpose of our traditions. It is well for us to go back and look at why that the traditions that we hold to were established. We don't just throw them out without considering what their foundation was. Neither do we hold to them without considering what their foundation was. Tradition is important, but it takes more than tradition. There was a time in our history that, that Pentecost did not go uh, have a long-standing uh, uh, as far as it was long-standing in the Word of God, but the, the current Pentecostal movement as a denomination 
only went back to the early 1900s and there was a time that there were people that were coming in as they began to read the Word of God and see what the Word of God taught and how that the Word of God was manifest and they began to follow after the Word of God. But what has happened is far too many have not gone back to the Word of God and have relied on their tradition now. See, it used to be that what happened in the early 1900's when Pentecost was poured out is people began to look at the traditions of the traditional religion and of, of, of the denominations that were there and they began to compare it to the Word of God. And they said, these people are teaching against the baptism of the Holy Ghost but the baptism of the Holy Ghost is part of the Word of God. And they begin to go back and, and, and seek out the Holy Ghost. But now we live in a time when we have multiple generations that have been raised in Pentecostal churches and are relying on our heritage. I do not say this to brag about my heritage, but there are times that heritage is important. The Apostle Paul even went back and, and, and told at times his heritage. But I am a fifth generation Pentecostal. My grandkids are the seventh generation. Not only in Pentecost, but the seventh generation to be part of Bethel Chapel. And if we are not careful in those long-standing traditions and heritages, we can depend on and we can rely on that heritage rather than the Word of God. First of all, I want us to notice the present or the gift of tradition. Tradition is not in and of itself something that is bad, but tradition is a gift. The psalmist David wrote in Psalm 16 verses 5 and 6, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. What is the gift of heritage? One thing, and we'll see this later because we'll, we'll, we'll read some scripture that brings it out, but one of the things that is part of the gift of, of tradition and heritage is a knowledge of the scripture. When our heritage is a good heritage, there is a knowledge of scripture that is passed down. Did you know there are a lot of passages in the Bible that a lot of times we can quote from memory, not because we ever sat down and tried to memorize them, but because we have heard them quoted over and over, because we've heard them repeated in sermons, and because we have heard them time and time again in growing up in church. And so sometimes there is a... a portion of Scripture and we have a knowledge of Scripture that is part of our heritage and that is a good thing that is a gift of our heritage not only of Scripture but there is a knowledge of history did you know there is there is an advantage in knowing the history of the establishment of the Pentecostal movement and knowing the establishment even of Bethel Chapel, there is a, a, a gift of our heritage. 
And then there is protection from our heritage. Did you know those of us that have been raised in church have been protected from a lot of things that are out in the world simply by having been raised in church. Closely associated with the gift of, uh, of, of our heritage uh, and, and probably uh, could be uh, classified as the same thing is what is the profit of that heritage. We have been gifted with a heritage, but what is the advantage? What is the profit of the heritage? In the book of Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes and says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there in circumcision? He says, Much in every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Part of the, the profit of tradition and We've already stated this, but is a scriptural foundation. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of the heart. And so our, uh, a scriptural foundation, not only to know the scriptures, but a heritage that is based upon scripture. Then we find in Isaiah chapter 54, the Bible says to uh, the children of Israel, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall raise, rise against thee in judgment shall be condemned. Then he says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The promise of protection comes, uh, he says, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and that is the heritage of the Lord. Part of our heritage is that the enemy we are protected from the assault from the enemy by our heritage. And then, the Bible says in the book of Joel, chapter 3, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them. For there, for my people and for the heritage of Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. He says, I will plead with them there for my people. Did you know part of our heritage and part of, of the fact that we have been handed the heritage is the fact that we have Jesus Christ praying for us. When, when uh, uh, Simon Peter uh, uh, spoke up and he said, Lord, I'll, deny, or, or, I'll, I'll lay down my life. I'll even die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you'll deny me. And, and uh, uh, he told Peter then, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted... Strengthen the brethren. Part of our inheritance is the fact that Jesus Christ is praying to the Father on our behalf. He is our advocate. He is our mediator. 
John tells us in the book of 1 John, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But while we have been given a gift, and there is a prophet, and there is advantage to having been given a heritage, there are some pitfalls that come along with tradition. There are some pitfalls that come along with heritage. The first thing is, that I want us to notice is sometimes when we have been in church all of our lives, when we have a heritage that has been passed down to us, sometimes we get to the point that we rely on the prayers of others. Much of the generation that we live on, in and the younger generation has relied on the prayers of the saints who have gone before and have not established it in their own lives. We have relied on what has happened in the past. And what has happened in the past is not sufficient to sustain us. We must make it alive and real in our own hearts. We cannot rely on the past. We cannot rely on others. A second downfall that we have not only is the reliance on others, but is the uh, pride that builds up within our life because of our heritage. In the natural, not just in the spiritual, but have you ever known of people that were proud of who they were? And when, when it all boiled down to, to things, it, they weren't really anybody. It was their parents that were somebody, or maybe their grandparents. And they clung to that as though that made them important because their parents or their grandparents were important. You know, I mean, after all, we, you know, now we can go to Ancestry.com or something. We can go back far enough to find somebody famous that we're, we're related to. And, and that becomes our, our claim to fame. Not because of who we are. Not because we've done that which is right. And so it is with our salvation and, and with our experience with God. Sometimes if we are not careful, instead of having a real experience with God, we say, well, I go to Bethel Chapel. The fact that we go to Bethel Chapel is not enough to sustain us. It may have had a great history, but the continuance of Bethel Chapel as a place and a house of God as a place of refuge from the world is dependent upon us having a transformation, not upon our traditions of the past. We cannot continue to be a great place if we simply base it on what we have been in the past. And so we allow pride to build up within us because of our heritage. And the Bible tells us, Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
closely associated with our pride is our self-reliance. We depend upon ourselves instead of dependent upon God. We think we are somebody because of our heritage, and it's not long before that we think that we are able to handle things in and of ourselves. And then, we find it leads to a lack of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of Joshua, the book of Joshua, we find a disturbing passage of Scripture which is repeated in Judges chapter 2, beginning at verse 7. The Bible says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that He did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Hares, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel." We are living in the generation that does not know its foundation. We are living in the generation that does not remember the works that God did in the establishment of the Pentecostal movement as we know it today and in Bethel Chapel specifically. I was four years old when Ralph Cook, the founder of Bethel Chapel, passed away. I do not remember him as a man. I remember one time going to his house or the trailer that he lived in. And as a little boy, him picking me up and setting me on his knee. And that's the only remembrance I have. I don't remember his preaching. I don't remember his teaching. And then I remember being at the hospital the day he died and going into the room right after he passed away. Beyond that, I do not have a memory of him other than what has been told me. The Bible says that they served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua. The elders that overlived Joshua would have been my grandparents. My parents, my parents, my grandparents' generation is gone. My parents' generation is quickly dying off. My dad's been gone for 19 years now. So the generation that overlived that generation is gone. And there is a generation arising that does not know its foundation. This is not true just of Bethel Chapel. And I'm using my own family as as an instance because that's the generations I'm most familiar with. But you go in every generation in our church. Probably probably in our family we have have more of a remembrance and a collection, uh, 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 a recollection than a lot of the other 
families in the church. But a lot of the families in the church, there is no recollection of the founding of the church. And there is true in all of Pentecost. The Azusa Street, the people that remember Azusa Street, the people that remember Topeka, Kansas, they are dead. That's why we have to go back to the Word of God, not just the traditions that have been passed down to us and say, this is what happened at Topeka, Kansas. This is what happened at Azusa Street. Who cares what happened there? I don't remember it. So I have to go back to the Word of God. I have heard the stories about when a man came into Bethel Chapel and as a lady was praying, she shook her head from side to side and the, began, the man began to mock and to make fun and so he began to shake his head side to side and the Holy Ghost got a hold of him and began to shake his head so that his nose began to bleed and it slung blood from one side of the congregation to the other side of the congregation but I was not there I did not see it I have only heard the stories I've heard the stories about how sister cook had cancer and went in as she was sick and went in to eat a bowl of soup and the soup began to bubble And she was afraid that maybe it was poison. And the Lord spoke to her and said, This is for your healing. And she partook of it. And the Lord miraculously healed her. But I wasn't there. I heard about the times when she had had a stroke and her face was all drawn up and disfigured. And she came to the church. And the people in the church were concerned and they said, said, we'd almost rather God had taken her than for her to be like that. And they began to pray and God restored her. But I've only heard the stories. I've heard the story by how that there was an individual that tried to get into the lockbox for the church. unbeknownst to anyone. My grandmother was come in one morning and told Grandpa Cook, said, I had this dream last night. I said, somebody was trying to break into, get into the lockbox for the church down at the bank. I said, and the key number was such and such. Well, he wasn't really listening to her. He wasn't paying much until she told him what the key number was. And all of a sudden he said, Who told you the number on that key? She said, Nobody told me. I'm just telling you a dream I had. And they began to investigate and they found out that it was true. But I wasn't there. I've only heard the stories. We've heard the stories that have been passed down. But we need a reality from heaven in our lives, not just the stories of the past. And there is a lack of intimacy with God. 
because we've heard the stories of the past and that has pacified us. And we've been happy with our tradition rather than having it in our hearts and lives. Then last of all, we place our results over the relationship with God. Results of a relationship have been more important to us than the actual relationship. We've got a lot of preachers that preach about how that the gauge to determine our spirituality is whether we've shouted or not. Shouting does not tell us whether we're spiritual or not because we can imitate shouting. We can work up rejoicing. We can work up a crowd. We can stir the emotions of the people. If you don't believe me, pay attention to some of the, the, the concerts and stuff that goes on that is of the world. You go to a concert, whether it's rock country, I don't care what kind of concert it is, they are going to work the crowd and stir the emotions of the crowd and get the crowd into what's going on. And we have learned to emulate that in church. And we have learned to manipulate the crowd and excite the crowd without having a real experience with Jesus Christ. Our emotions do not lead us. Our emotions follow after our experience. Emotions are important. Our emotions must be sanctified. There is a time for rejoicing. There is a time for our emotions to come into play. But we do not start from there. It is a result and should be a result of an inner relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we do not have that relationship, all of the shouting, all of the praising, all of the worship that we appear to do is like what Jesus said when He quoted Isaiah. And He said they're worshiping with their lips, but their heart is far from Me. We have got to develop a relationship and quit simply looking at the results. Because we can fake the results. How do we preserve our heritage? The book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 17. The Bible says, Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? 
there must be repentance. John the Baptist proclaimed in the book of Luke chapter 3, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. There must be repentance. The message of repentance is not just to the sinner. The message of repentance is to the church. John wrote in the book of 1 John to the church. And he, and he said, if we confess our sin, he's not writing to the sinner. He's writing to the saints. He said, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on to say that if any man say he doesn't have sin within him, that he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And then he starts out in chapter 2 and says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The message to the church is repent. The message to the church is repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. There must be repentance. Romans chapter 12. Familiar passage of Scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We must be transformed in our minds. There must be a transformation that takes place. Part of the problem with the church today is we may live it on the outside, but we have not had our minds transformed. Where are our thoughts? What are we dwelling upon? What are our desires? What are we thinking about? What are we meditating upon? Are we meditating on the law of the Lord? Or are we thinking about the things of this world? We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we must have an experience for ourselves. We must have an experience with God. I 
I talked about some of the miracles that have happened in the past. But if our goal and our purpose is just to see the miracles again, we're off course. Jesus told the Pharisees, said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after signs. We must seek a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must seek after Him and know Him. And as we know Him, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. If we're seeking the signs, we're seeking the wrong thing. But if we're seeking Jesus Christ, the signs will come. We must have an experience. In his book, The Price of Neglect, A.W. Tozer writes, Within the circles of evangelical Christianity itself, there has arisen in the last few years dangerous and dismaying trends away from the true Bible Christianity. A spirit has been introduced which is surely not the Spirit of Christ. Methods employed which are wholly carnal, objectives adopted which have not one line of Scripture to support them. A lovable conduct accepted which is practically identical to that of the world. And yet scarcely one voice has been raised in opposition. And this in spite of the fact that Bible-honoring followers of Christ lament among themselves the dangerous wobbly course things are taken. The times call for a spirit-baptized and articulate orthodoxy They whose souls have been illuminated by the Holy Ghost must arise under God and assume leadership. There are those among us whose hearts can discern between true and false, whose spiritual sense of smell enables them to detect the spurious afar off, who have the blessed gift of knowing. Let such as these arise and be heard. Who knows, but the Lord may yet return and leave a blessing behind Him. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. God, help us not to simply rely on the tradition and the heritage of the past. But God, to give our whole lives, our entire being, spirit, soul, and body, to the worship of Jesus Christ. Lord, to bring glory and honor to You. That Your name might be exalted on earth. That You might be glorified. And that You might draw men and women to You. That we could point people to the cross of Calvary. God, I pray that we could have a relationship with You that would lead us to to advance 
your kingdom. As we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com. Thank you.